When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Cheeseheads. Cheese Get on your feet. It's Curd and Law. Hosted by Sparky Fighter and Ryan Horvath. Hey, it's Sparky Fiverr, 1250 AM. The fan. Beautiful, hot, 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 hot Wisconsin uh, right now. Heat index. Well, real feel at some point today. It's supposed to be like 110 or 115, I guess. Uh, here in southeastern Wisconsin. So it's going to be a hot one today. Ryan Horvath here as well. BetMGM tonight, part of the BetQL radio network, uh, hanging out with us. Uh, and Packers getting ready for their last exhibition game coming up on uh, Saturday. A new central kick for that one against the Seattle Seahawks. No joint practices this week. So just normal practices. They got one in yesterday. And as we're recording this here, uh, they are doing their second practice of the week. And they moved up the time of the practice because of the extreme heat. Uh, in Green Bay, so they're starting practice now. I'll I, quickly before we get to our our first topic. I just kind of want to go over uh, as far as you know what happened yesterday. The practice did not get off to a great start. Jordan Love missing some throws. Uh, they had some pre-stamp penalties. Things were not going well early. As the practice went on, things picked up. Jordan Love looked like Jordan Love. Started making some some really good throws. And by the end of practice, everybody's talking about how good Jordan Love looked in the second half of practice. Matt LaFleur, in his pre-practice presser this morning, uh, was asked what he thought of the offense. And he said, not very good. He said, we have to learn how to focus. You know, gave him a couple days off. And we come back and, you know, we got all these mistakes on the offensive side of the ball. That just can't happen. You have to be focused all the time, whether you're on the practice field or you're in the game and so forth. And that is, to me, Ryan, the very first time where youth probably plays into it a little bit on offense, where these guys coming off a couple of days rest, you know, kind of feeling themselves a little bit off of how they played the last time they were out there uh, and not being as focused as they should be, having a bunch of pre-snap penalties and dumb plays early on in practice uh, made Matt LaFleur angry. And I get it. And that's the one thing they're going to have to work on during the course of the season is, you know, how do you come off of a Sunday night game? How do you come off of a Thursday night game? What does that week look like? How do we adjust to it and keep everybody's focus going forward? And that's going to be a feeling out process, too, for some of these younger players on this team. Yeah, that's always what you worry about with young players in the league, whether it's, you know, quarterback, wide receiver, really anybody is consistency. And like you said, you know, it's been a couple of days, get a couple of days off. Also, you know, we're here. It's the end of August. They're ready for week one. They're ready to, you know, get out there and see some live game reps, not just for a quarter, not just for a half, not an exhibition play, but real regular season action. They're tired of practice hitting each other. They're probably tired of these joint practices. I mean, we're seeing all these joint practices around the league, man. There's been fights. It's been every single pretty much joint practice where at least something's went down. And yeah, like you said, they're kind of feeling themselves a little bit. And I have no issue with that, but you do worry about that a little bit with a young team. And it's funny how, you know, kind of the narratives change since we started doing this podcast, you know, early on in the summer where there were a lot of national guys, it was, um, what's his name, Adam Shine, and it was uh, Skip Bayless, and it was Colin Cowherd, and they all said, Jordan Love can't play, he's just a game manager, 
Now that's changed, man. I was driving back from Chicago yesterday, listening to the Dan Patrick show for the first time in a long time. I can tell you the last up, time I heard that show. They were hyping up Jordan Love. Paulie's in love with Jordan Love. Um, they're like, man, he could be the real deal. And we kind of like the Packers to win the NFC North. Um, you know, Warren Sharp had a really good tweet about Jordan Love. Dan Orlovsky's been all over him this week. Everybody, you know, and then you got Romeo Dobbs, the number one rated wide receiver in the preseason, yep. according to Pro Football Focus. He's been just as good as George Pickens. So, yeah, you got young guys that maybe now they're starting to buy into the hype a little bit. But I think that's good because that's what I worried about coming into the season with a guy like Romeo Dobbs, who last season, second half of the year, looked like his confidence was shot. Jordan Love, I want him to go out there and play with confidence. I don't care if week one against Chicago, he throws three picks. I want him to go out there week two and feel himself the same way against the Saints. You know what I'm saying? Or week three. Um, uh, so, I mean, yeah, that's obviously what you worry about. You know, a couple days off. You want consistency. But I don't know. I mean, I've loved every single thing that I've saw in the preseason from Jordan Love, from they these wide receivers. They look so damn good. It's really hard to complain about anything, especially practice. But you do want that consistency, especially with these young guys. You brought up Romeo Dobbs. I have to interrupt this part of the Packer Curtin Long podcast to divert to Hard Knocks last night uh, with the New York Jets. Randall Cobb talking to his receiver group after a practice or whatever. And uh, Cobb goes, hey, man, talk to eight. That's Rodgers now. Yeah. Talk to eight. Well, first he said 12, though. Yeah, first he said 12, then he said it. And he goes, not happy, man. Making a bunch of you know little mistakes here and there. It's going to add up. He's not happy. Like, we got to clean this stuff up, blah, 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 blah. And he says, right now he's good. He's fine. We get into the into the games. He's not going to be fine. He's going to lose his bleep on on you at some point if you if we don't clean this up. So then now we get to Rogers and Rogers knows about what was said. And at a presser, Rogers goes, yeah, I heard what he said, what Kavi said. He goes, I feel like I'm not going to do that anymore. Like I'm, I'm a more patient person now. And I've, I've learned from the past that da, 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 da. Horvath, yeah. I'm here to tell you because then at the very end, he goes, and at, and at the very end, as he's smiling, happy air, the very end, he goes, but there will be accountability. That's how he kind of edited it. I'm telling you, no chance this dude has turned over a leap. No chance he's not letting wide receivers up if they do the wrong thing. I ain't buying any of it. This dude is going to be the same old 12. And furthermore, I bet you the wide receivers get yelled at less than his offensive line does. I bet you the offensive line gets a majority of the chew outs this year because if they can't protect them, they're all dead. Yeah, but you know what, man? Like, all right, so there's two totally different types of leaders you don't see yeah you know like brady used to mf his offensive lineman just Jordan really Manning. play into him and i mean dude him and josh mcdaniels even is his offensive coordinator yep. remember that time they tried to rip each other's faces off that's a, right? there's a video of manning going at the colts offensive line and jeff saturday yelling back at him and they're jawing back and forth on the sidelines yeah and then they're hugging it out like right. after the game going and getting beers like but yep. that's how you want your, you know, but then you see like Patrick Mahomes, he doesn't do that stuff. Like if a guy drops a pass, he's like, Hey, you'll make more plays later on, you know, pick your head up. So there's two totally different. I, I kind of want Jordan love to be that type of leader. I though, came up like, today in the press conference with LaFleur. They asked LaFleur when you have all of these mistakes, like you had yesterday in practice, guys running the wrong routes and pre-snap penalties. Like, Hey, have, have you seen yet? Jordan love kind of lose it a little bit. Or when do you think he's going to lose it? And LaFleur's answer was so short. 
It was something along the lines of, I've never seen him do that. And that was it. He just stopped. And I was waiting to, for him to say more, and he just didn't say anything. He's like, never seen him do it. Pretty granted, much that was the end of it. Granted, it was high school football, but, man, like in the camps with the young kids, I would just be stopped dicking around, and, like, the coaching staff would get mad, like, if I would use swear words. But right. You gotta hold like you gotta hold your guys accountable unless you want to be a, on a losing team. You know what I mean? And like Jordan Love, like you said, we talked about this in the last pod. This is one of the youngest teams in the National Football League, especially on the offensive side of the ball. They need leadership. And if it's not gonna be David Bakhtiari, you know, if he's got one foot out the door, which we don't know if that's true, and they've come out and said Gudikens that they're not gonna trade him, they need some leadership. So I kind of want Jordan Love to be that kind of guy. Um I got a kick out of that episode last night, though. And now we see, like, this is what I tell people, why Randall Cobb's on an NFL roster. He can still make some plays, but it's more for what he does in that wide receiver room. You saw the work he puts in with those young guys. And he's Aaron Rodgers' mouthpiece now, so Aaron Rodgers doesn't have to be the bad guy. Hey, 12, I mean, eight isn't happy. And if I love where he's like, if he doesn't trust you, he's not going to throw you the football. Yep. There it is. Why is EQ wide open in the back of the end zone? Because he dropped one the last game. That's your punishment, buddy. But I see, I like that. Um, but you got to be Aaron Rodgers. You know what I mean? Like, if you're going to hold guys accountable, you got to be, you know, near perfection every week. And that's what he is. Really quick to answer your question like, practice, joint practice, exhibition game. Right. This so, how much cool. stock do you put into each? So, Packers practice versus joint practice versus exhibition game. So, as far as, okay, I put the most in joint practice is number one. Then I put the most emphasis on exhibition games and then Packer practice because they're playing against each other every day and they know each other. I don't put as much on that. How how do you rank those three as far as how much stock you put into reports that you see on all these different things? Yeah, so like the reports from practice, I mean, all of them are important. Don't get me wrong. And again, like to throw out like a high school thing, like but at practice, especially when it's August 23rd, you know everybody's tendencies. Even if you're going against the twos, you know, and the twos are going against the ones, by now, like, I don't care. Like, if Jordan Love throws a couple picks, you know, these guys, they know each other. Like you just said, man. I mean, it's August. This has been going on now for three, four months. So, obviously, practice matters. But what I really put the most stock into are the exhibition games, the preseason games. Obviously, the joint practices really uh, important as well. You're going against an opposing team, so it's, you know, not so familiar. You're hitting different dudes. But the exhibition games, like seeing Jordan Love uh, do that in front of a crowd or do that at Lambeau Field, put the pads on, go through the motions. Let's be honest, man, walk through the tunnel because it's a big difference being Aaron Rodgers' backup or filling in for Aaron Rodgers one week at Arrowhead than being, yo, this is my job now. And if I'm not the guy, it might not be my job for long. So to see him go out there perform, to see somebody like Romeo Dobbs, to see these guys on the defensive side of the ball perform, uh, in live game reps in an exhibition game, to me, I put the most stock into that. I think that's the most important, but maybe I'm wrong. But I remember we would do like seven on seven camps and you would be like, man, this guy sucks. You know, how is this guy running with the, with the ones first team? And then you'd see him go against other guys and you'd be like, oh, okay, maybe, you know, he just sucks here in our camp. Maybe right. we're going to be really good this year, but he could play, he could play. I don't, I don't know, but that's what matters to me because some guys just also aren't practice players. Allen Iverson, we're sure. talking about practice. Some guys yeah. just can't get up for practice. You know what I mean? Especially like you hear about that with some of these SEC dudes, these defensive linemen. Like they get up for games. They don't really get up for practice though. Um, so that's, you know, for me, exhibition games, most important. See, and for me, I think if I'm going to rank these three in order, joint practice is one. 
even though I wrote join practice on the YouTube video uh, on the streaming live on the RC Sports YouTube page. You can watch these videos there. Or you can, of course, download uh, the audio portion of the podcast on your Odyssey app or wherever you download your favorite podcast at. Uh, of course, subscribe, follow all that fun stuff they tell you to do so you know when our podcasts are dropping. But it's Monday, Wednesday, and Fridays by 5 p.m. Central. Uh, okay, for me, join practice because that's where the highest intensity level is. I don't feel like that intensity level exists in regular team practice. And I don't feel like that intensity level necessarily exists in the exhibition games either. And most of the time in the exhibition games, your starters aren't playing anyhow. So you really don't get to see truly what it is. And in joint practices, because there's no tape, no no video out there as much, they're going to show you more different things, the opposing defenses of the other team there than in exhibition games where that is available for everybody, the all-22s and everything else. That's where everybody's going to be more vanilla, really not going to show their hand and so forth when you're watching the exhibition game. So for me, joint practice is one. Two is exhibition games. Three is team practice. But we do have to remember on team practice, because you are going against the same dudes, they know the plays. They know what you tend to do on certain routes and so forth, which makes right. it harder because they know your tendencies. They know the quarterback's tendencies. They know running back tendencies. Offensive linemen are battling constantly. I know he likes to go this way on this type of play. He likes to go up that way on that type of play. So in a weird way, as much as you don't and I don't necessarily value the Packers practice as much or as number one, there is still something to it because your mind really is in play in those team practices when you're facing the same dudes every day and still trying to stand out to the coaches so you make the team. Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. I mean, for sure. I mean, and, like, remember last season, everybody, we were all excited about the defense because the offense looked terrible all camp long, but then we figured out, oh, wait, the offense just really is terrible without Devontae right. Adams. You know what I mean? But – of course, like practice. I mean, in the coaching staff, I bet you if you ask the coaching staff, they probably obviously take more out of the practices, right, than they do anything else because that's where it's repetition after repetition. Yep. That's where they're seeing these guys every single day. But like you said, I mean, advantage defense, you know, especially here in August, you know what the LaFleur offense is. You know, you know what these guys are running. Right. But you know, obviously it really is still important, especially with the young team. I mean, there's nothing more important than live reps. It used to drive me crazy hearing that, but it is the truth, especially in football. I'd totally say more agree. than any other sport. Yeah, I agree with you on that. Let's go to the next one. 53-man roster decisions. They have to get down to 53 by August 29th. August 29th, so uh, a week from this uh, last Tuesday, I guess it would be. August 29th. Uh, and our guy Paul Brettle, uh, again, over at Packers Wire, part of the USA Today Network, put out right now where he's at on the 53-man roster going into the last exhibition game against Seattle. Uh, he has Jordan Love and Sean Clifford staying. Fine. My question to you is this. Do you keep three? There is a lot of conversation right now on NFL uh, Network Radio uh, on Sirius XM about keeping three versus not keeping three. And the biggest conversation piece is, I think there were 12 or 13 teams that went through at least three quarterbacks last year at some point uh, as far as different starters, something like that, uh, a large number. Uh, and so the argument's being made of they made 53-man rosters originally counting every team was going to keep three quarterbacks, and that's what a lot of teams did. Back when Ellerson played in those guys, they always had three quarterbacks, always. When I was growing up, everybody had three quarterbacks on the roster. Yeah. Uh, and then at some point in the 90s, 
uh, it started changing and people started to keep two quarterbacks. But because of the way everybody's getting hurt nowadays at that position, do you keep Magoo uh, on this team? Do you keep that dude? So I don't personally because I feel like you could just sign another like guy similar, maybe even better off the street. But I do get the argument for keeping three quarterbacks, and I think the perfect example of why you should do so, especially if you're a contending team, is the San Francisco 49ers in the NFC Championship game last season where they yep. lose Brock Purdy, then they lose Josh Johnson, and they have no other options against the Eagles in a championship game. I never want to see that ever again. So I almost wish there was like an extra roster spot to carry like a kicker and a quarterback because if those guys go down, you're big screwed. But I get not wanting to keep one of those guys, an extra guy on the roster, right? Because, you know, maybe you got that third running back or that fourth running back or that sixth wide receiver. or You know, you can never have too many pass rushers. You can never have too many tackles, offensive line help. Special teams, always an issue for this team. But personally, I would say you only keep two. Love and Clifford, but I do get the argument for keeping three, especially if you think you're a contending team, because we've seen two quarterbacks get knocked out of the biggest game of the year. And then a team, you know, consider, hey, do we go with our running back, Christian McCaffrey, our fullback, Chris, uh, Kyle Juszczyk? And I don't want to see that happen at Green Bay. Right. And that's the other thing, though, too, right? So with the practice squad, you can stash one uh, quarterback on the practice squad. Then in playoff games, just activate them on the 53 for playoff games. Maybe you don't do it during the regular season, but you do it in the postseason to to try to stay off or stay away from that Niner situation happening again. Wide receivers. This is fun. This, to me, is the camp battle that I cannot wait to see how many they keep. Because he's got them keeping, Paul Brettel, Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, Jaden Reed. I think everybody agrees with those three, right? Now, yeah. Samari Toure. Are we saying he's a lock? Are we both there on Toure being a lock? I wouldn't. I mean, I wouldn't say a lock, but I would like to see him make this roster, and I think he should make the roster. I, I don't. Think, I don't. Yeah. Think, I don't think he's a lock, though. Do you? I do. Yeah, because he's a vet. He's been there a year, so you know he's a vet. So Toure. I mean, that's what we're talking about here. He's a vet as much as Watson and Dobbs is. He might have actually played in more games than those two last year. I have to go back and look. So Toure, and then now here comes the question: Do you keep six or do you keep seven? Because we're through four. So then it's Wicks. Heath and Grant DuBose, who just got back this last week from being hurt, and he looked okay, uh, but that was, that's that's the decision. Do you keep two of those three, or do you keep all three going forward between Wicks, Heath, and DuBose? He says they keep all of them, and they go with seven wide receivers going into the season. Wicks and Heath, I think you have to keep. I mean, I'm cool if you don't keep all of them, but I don't want either of those guys. I think Heath deserves to be yeah. there over Wicks and DuBose even though he's the undrafted guy and the other two are draft picks. I agree. I completely agree, but I also want to see Wicks make the roster. So if you don't keep all of the above, those are the two that I keep. But yeah, man, especially with young players, I think I do want to keep these guys. I mean, we got to remember this is the youngest wide receiver room in the league. And also the only thing, like the thing that concerns me are injuries, right? Like if Romeo right. Dobbs goes down, Christian Watson struggled, especially the first half of the season to stay on the field. And if there's some inconsistency, it's got to be the next man up. So maybe you do keep all of them, but I would definitely want to keep those two. Those guys, I think, have been the most impressive, in my opinion. Tight end fullback position. Musgrave, Tucker Kraft, Josiah DeGuara, obviously. Um, now, does does Henry Pearson make it the fullback? Because he left with a knee injury, so he may be not going to be around anyhow, so that may not even be an issue. But do you pick up? another tight end or another fullback here to give you four, or do you keep three 
and essentially make Deguara the semi fullback when you want to have a fullback. Yeah, this is see, this is what confuses me a little bit because I thought that was eventually going to be Deguara's role was he was going to be like the H back, the super back, if you will. You know what I'm saying? I thought that was his role in the offense. So, yeah, if the knee injury uh, is going to keep him out, then I think unfortunately um, it's that, that's got to be Deguara's role. And I thought that's why you drafted, you know, Kraft and Musgrave, and then he kind of goes and into you that lost Tyler role. Davis. Remember. Because he's more of, but yeah, but he's more of a blocker. Like I thought that Deguara was going to eventually be like a 70 reception guy is what people were at least trying to tell me when you look at the college tape. I don't know about all that, but we know he can block downfield. So I think he just fills that role. I don't know if you could keep all those guys. You know what I'm saying? If you're going to keep a fullback on the roster, I don't know if you could keep three tight ends. I mean, I now, guess that'll be interesting because tight ends and fullbacks usually are core special team guys. Like they like, like having those back on the roster, especially in an offense like LaFleur runs. I like San Francisco keeping a guy like Kyle's juice check. Yep. Um, you know, but a lot of NFL teams obviously don't do so anymore. So I just don't know how many of those guys you can keep. But I'm not the biggest DeGuara fan, as you know. But I mean I guess he could he could block. He's thrown a couple blocks. But I need to see a lot from DeGuara to buy it's funny. But I know him and Lover Boys, but like yeah. Andy Herman of the Packaday Podcast, also not a Deguara guy, uh, and during practice yesterday, tweeted out, as you all know, I've been hard on Deguara, but he's looked good today in practice or whatever the case may be, giving Deguara some props as far as how he's been playing to this point. He's going to look real good to justify that. I understand. Offensive line, nine offensive linemen he's got them keeping. He's got them keeping. David Bakhtiari, Elton Jenkins. Okay, obviously, right? Josh Myers, yep. John Runyon, Zach Tom, that's probably your starting five. Now the next four, Yash Nyman, yep. Rasheed Walker, yep. Caleb Jones, yep. Sean Ryan, which means Royce Newman yes. does not make this team. They don't keep 10. Royce Newman would be out. Jake Hansen just got waived, the other center that they drafted a couple of years ago. So he's out uh, already. Uh, thoughts on those nine? Perfect. Exactly what I want. And as we talked about, I think three episodes, four episodes ago, I may have mentioned this every episode since we started the damn podcast. I've seen enough Royce Newman for the next three lifetimes. I wish him well. Seems like a nice enough guy off the field. I just, he's sloppy out there, man. And especially with a young quarterback. I mean, I I feared for Aaron Rodgers' life anytime Royce Newman took that field. With Jordan Love, I don't want to see it. So I'm sorry. It's just not working out. I, I wish you well elsewhere. Most likely Minnesota, Chicago, or Detroit. Somewhere in the division. That's normally how it goes. It's your defensive lineman. Paul Brettel's got six. Kenny Clark, Devontae Wyatt, TJ Slayton. Kenny Clark had a big play. Uh, stuff of a yeah. run in practice yesterday. Clark, Devontae Wyatt, TJ Slayton, Carl Brooks, Colby Wooden, Jonathan Ford. Ford has played really well in this camp. Brooks has played really well in this camp. Wooden has had his moments uh, as well. I have no issues with those whatsoever. To me either. I feel like that's the safe play right there. Those are the guys you go with. Absolutely. Ed's rushers. Here we go. Six Ed's rushers. Now, again, these guys are going to play in a special teams too, right? Linebackers, very big. Rashawn Gary, Preston Smith. Rashawn Gary, who returned to practice yesterday. Oh, man. Uh, Preston Smith, J.J. Engabare, who's been amazing. Uh, Lucas Van Ness, uh, Justin Hollins, who they picked up last year from the Rams, who played well. Uh, and now he has added Brenton Cox. In the previous prediction, he didn't have Brenton Cox making this roster. Uh, now he has added Brenton Cox. Before he had five edge rushers, now he's got six. Pretty much doesn't think they can get him to the practice squad uh, if they let Brenton Cox go at this point. Uh, remember, Brenton Cox, 
ability and talent has never been questioned. Brandon Cox's deal is getting kicked off of college teams left and right uh, and being able to play by the rules and do the right things. So it was a character issue, it sounds like, of why he fell and went unsigned or went undrafted, and the Packers rolled the dice on him. He looks like he's a player. Are you good keeping six outside linebackers? Yeah, I, I like guys like Bretton Cox. I say every season, I don't know if this is a popular take, I think the Packers need more of those guys. I hate getting punched in the mouth in the playoffs and then everybody crying at the podium. Yep. So if you got a guy like Bretton Cox, you know, who, like you said, man, he was dismissed from the university from Florida. That was back in 2022. Uh, was at Georgia for a little bit. So like you said, something going on off the field. But man, he was all SEC in 2020. Um, second team, but granted, he was all SEC. Right. He's a hell of a player when he's got his mind right. And so I want him on this team. And I want as many edge rushers as possible. Rashawn Gary, I don't think there's going to be much of a drop-off. But those first couple weeks of the season, he is coming back from an ACL. But, man, I mean, those videos um, really got me hyped up yesterday. I'm so Zach Tom said. The Bane, the Bane have, Gary video. Yeah, that has Zach Top who had to deal with him. Uh, so, no, has he lost anything? Whatever, he's like. No drop off. Uh, same dude. <laughs> Nothing's changed. Yeah. But I want as many pass rushers as possible. And Preston Smith's coming off his worst season as a pro. One of his worst seasons as a pro. I do think he has a bounce back year, but I want a lot of young guys. I want a lot of hungry, mean, fast, quick dudes that could get after the quarterback. So I agree there. Keep All right. Middle linebackers. Here we go. He's gotten keeping four. Previously had him keeping five. Devondre Campbell, Quay Walker, Isaiah McDuffie, Eric Wilson. I'll yep. raise my hand and say I'd like an upgraded inside linebacker behind the first two. Nothing against McDuffie or Wilson. I'd like a linebacker improvement there. Another really impact linebacker. McDuffie's done fine in his time, I guess, uh, last year. Tariq Harpenter had previously been on this list to make the team. Uh, he doesn't appear as hidden the fact he doesn't want to play linebacker, yet they're playing him at linebacker. Uh, so it very well may be that Tariq Harpenter ends up on the practice squad maybe. Yeah. Um, and doesn't end up making this roster. And I'm fine with that if they decide to go with four uh, middle linebackers. Yeah, I mean, this league, I mean, they just really don't value the inside linebacker position. I mean, unless you got a guy like Fred Warner, which, I mean, I love Devondre Campbell, but he's going to have he's gonna have to have a bounce-back season himself and stay healthy this year. I would like an upgrade, I guess, at inside linebacker, but um, I would, I'm with you. I would rather keep four. I would rather have six pass rushers. I'd rather keep more corners, more safeties, more secondary help, and more pass rushers than inside linebackers. That's just the way that the league's had right. right. Brett uh, writes it out. He said, Carpenter is not only competing with linebackers, but with players like Heath, DuBose, Ford, and Cox, all of whom have shown far more upside. According to Pro Football Focus this preseason, he has a fourth worst grade on the team, does Carpenter, at yes. this point, according to Paul Brettel. That's not going to make the roster. That's not going to work. Cornerback, five corners. Now, he has Eric Stokes on the pup list, right? So then you got Alexander, Douglas, Keyshawn Nixon, Valentine, and Keandre Thomas. Your thoughts? Okay. Yeah, um, as long as Valentine's on that list, because I think he's going to be, be – I sure. think he's going to be a breakout dude this year. I, I think he's going to be like a, a guy that has four or five interceptions this season because Jair's not going to get picked on unless Terry McLaurin and Justin Jefferson come to town and there's no safety help up top for whatever reason, Joe Barry. Because they don't so, have any safeties either. And I don't know that Eric Stokes is going to look like himself until week six, week seven, if he comes back, when he comes back. Right. That's a tough injury for a defensive back, the way that you plant – um, you know, the way that you move out there laterally, I, I just, I think it's going to take him some time to work himself back. I'm fine with those corners. Yeah. And it doesn't sound like Stokes is coming back anytime soon. I mean, every no. time they ask LaFleur about Stokes, he's like, no update. 
nothing. With Rashad Gary was getting closer, he would be like, oh, yeah, we're getting there, whatever. I mean, with Stokes, just yeah. hardly anything. So this one came Bad down easy. to Keandre Thomas and Corey Ballantyne. Those were the two, and Brettel went with um, went with him because Ballantyne has been hurt. So we'll see how that ends up going forward. Safety. Number 36, I don't care if it's Anthony Johnson Jr. or not, should not be given out anymore. I've said this before, and I'll say it again. Leroy Butler was just in the building today. There is no reason to be continuously giving out 36. I'm done. Like, figure out a different roster number. Moving on. Darnell Savage, keep. Jonathan Owens, keep. Rudy Ford, keep. And Anthony Johnson Jr., keep. LaFleur had some positive words to say about Anthony Johnson Jr. the other day. Uh, previous prediction, he had Savage, Owens, Ford, Tarvarius, Moore, and Dallin uh, Levitt. Uh, Levitt, however you say his name. Yeah. I, is, I would be so surprised if Dallin Levitt did not make this team. Like, Basaccia would lie down in traffic to make sure his core special teams guys are on yeah. this roster. And I understand that Anthony Johnson's a better safety maybe than Levitt is. Okay, maybe that's true. And he's younger. Okay, maybe that's true. But that dude's on this team. Until otherwise told by somebody in that organization that they cut him, I will not believe it till I see it. There's no way Basaccia lets that dude yeah. get cut. I agree, man. Especially, like, that's why you brought him here, too, to fix the special teams that's literally haunted us since I've been born, like, for the last three decades. Yes. So I think you got to keep your best special teams players. And even if it means, oh, man, but that's really – a position that you really can't sacrifice is darnell savage gonna have a bounce back year it's been two really bad years i was playing madden for the first time last night not that anybody cares you know they have him rated as a 76 in that game a 70 really i was shocked i was like <laughs> brandon jordan loves a quarterback i was like how is wait jordan loves a 70 this guy's a 76 how like what has madden that's when you know that game has been crap for a but decade. But Madden didn't know anything about Jordan Love. They didn't know this is what he was going to look like. In fairness to Madden, they Darnell Savage enough to know he ain't a seventy-six. Yeah. Agreed. I agree. He should be like a sixty-seven. But, but man, I know I was shocked. But um, yeah, he needs to have a bounce back here. Rudy Ford graded out as their fourth best defensive well. player. So I mean, I'm excited for him. I don't love this room. This is the room that scares me. Um, but hey. Dude, let's. I mean, like, if the pass rush bounces back, if Rashawn Gary's healthy, if Nick Perry, uh, Nick Perry, Jesus, wow, if is that where Preston Smith's career is heading? If Preston Smith's the big show, can have a bounce back here. Yeah. If Lucas Van Ness gives you anything year one, which I don't know what he's going to give you year one, um, then you don't have to worry about the secondary as much. You got to get after the quarterback in this league. If you give anybody four or five seconds in the pocket. They'll tear apart the Legion of Boom. You know what I mean? So it all comes down to the pass rush for me. Special teams, kickers, and long snapper. He's got them keeping Anders Carlson, Pat O'Donnell, and Matt Orzek. Now, Orzek uh, is a former Super Bowl champion with the Rams, was signed to a three-year deal. So clearly he's the long snapper, okay? Let's just end all of this. Now it's the kickers. Our guy Paul Bradley here says he thinks they're going to keep Dan Whelan. He, Paul Brattle, is putting down Pat O'Donnell because he thinks it's crazy to have a rookie punter and a rookie kicker, which would also mean then a rookie holder of the ball for the rookie kicker. He doesn't think that's very smart at all, even though Whelan has outkicked O'Donnell to this point. What say you, Ryan Horvath? What do you do at punter? I don't know. I mean, I think you have to go with best available. I don't think you could look at it like that because, I mean, this is already one of the youngest teams in the league. But, 
I mean, I also agree. I didn't want Carlson kicking this season. Though. Neither do I. I know Mason Crosby's 100 years old, and I know he doesn't have the leg that he had. Well, he never really did have the leg, though. But I want somebody I could trust, and I could trust Mason Crosby from 40 to 50 in big games. I can't trust Carlson. And this is a team that has a projected win total of 7.5 and nobody's going to run away with the NFC or the NFC North. So, man, like the difference between seven and nine wins might be the difference between you going to the playoffs and not going to the playoffs. Yep. Two missed field goals screws you. I'm more worried about the field goal kicking than the punting. Obviously, special teams so important. Last season proves that. Damn Amari Rogers. But, um, yeah, I mean, I kind of agree, but I think you do have to go with best available. So if you got to go with two rookies, you got to go with two rookies. But I'd rather have Mason back kicking field goals. Yep, uh, I totally hear you on that one. Okay, one last one here. And uh, we were going to talk about opposing quarterbacks and their schedule and all of that uh, against the Packers as far as how good the opposing quarterbacks are. We'll say that for Friday because uh, we're running out of time here. One last one, because I got the gambling guy on. I got to ask the gambling guy, Ryan Horvath. Follow him on Twitter, Ryan Horvath. He's got his college football on Saturday mornings. That's your show on Saturday mornings. You'll hear on WSSP uh, during the college football season. Follow me at Sparky Radio. Download Curd and Long on your Odyssey app or if you download your favorite podcast. Follow, subscribe, all that stuff so you know when we are dropping our new podcast Monday, Wednesday, and Friday late afternoons. Jonathan Taylor, next team, if not... On the Colts in week one, this comes from our friends over at Bet Online. Dolphins two to one, Bears five to two, Bills five to one, Ravens seven to one, Broncos eight to one, Cowboys eight to one, Commanders ten to one, Buccaneers fourteen to one, Vikings fourteen to one, Eagles twenty to one. I will say as a Packer fan, I do not want him in Minnesota, and I do not want him in Chicago. Don't want him helping out Justin Fields. I like the running back room just fine, so I prefer to avoid that at all costs. From a Colts fan perspective, like I am as well, I want the team that's going to give me the best draft pick capital in return, whoever that may be. So I'm split on where I want him to go and what I want in return. Ryan Horvat, what do you think, if you were putting money down on this, he ends up if he's not on the Colts, which I think is still a good possibility. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of think he sticks with the Colts, to be honest with you, just because I don't think the market's going to be there that he thinks is going to be there or that the Colts think is going to be there because he's a running back. And I think that's what we're learning about running backs here in the year 2023, right? First things first, every nice thing I've said about Ryan Poles the last year, if he trades away anything for Jonathan Taylor, I immediately take that back. They don't need a running back, man. Um, they need help on the defensive side of the ball. Uh They've got think, cap room, though. They got like twenty million dollars in cap space. They got a bunch yeah. of one-year signings and uh, yeah. free agency. They've got money. But I think the two most realistic landing spots, the two teams that if you're going to give something up, that should, the Miami Dolphins, who you have Mike McDaniel there, but you have no run game yet. You have Tua, you have Jalen Waddle, you have Tyreek Hill. But Mike McDaniel was the run game coordinator in San Francisco, so we know what that running, you know, what that run game could look like with a capable back. Jonathan Taylor, when healthy, is one of the best in the league. So I would say Miami, or we do this every year. I don't think they want to run the ball, especially with Ken Dorsey calling plays. But imagine Jonathan Taylor in Buffalo. There's some weird stuff going on in Buffalo, though. Like Stephon Diggs, not on the same page with the play calling and with Josh Allen. But I think those would be the two best fits, the Bills and the Dolphins and the AFC. I think all teams could use a running back. I think because Diggs is unhappy, clearly. Diggs for Jonathan Taylor works great for me. Like, I'm fine with that. I'll take Diggs. In Indy, yeah, you have Jonathan Taylor. You can run the football more. No more diva wide receiver. I'll have Diggs and Pittman in Indy with 
with Richard Senegal from there. I, I just, everybody's like, what do you think, Sparky, about Jonathan Taylor? Well, he's a former Badger. I loved him with the Badgers. But I also realized the Colts are going to suck this year. They're going to be horrible. They may be you know, one of the three or four worst teams in the NFL. I want Marvin Harrison Jr. if I had a choice. Uh, at the top of that draft next year, to be that bad, I got a feeling it's going to be Arizona because they're going to have the first two picks probably. But for me, you know, looking at it from a Colts perspective, you're not close enough to win anyhow. And I don't want to pay a running back $16 million like Jonathan Taylor apparently wants when you're in this situation of a rebuild. No chance. I want a brick wall in front of Richardson. Then I'll worry about running backs after I get a better wide receiving core because their wide receivers aren't that good either. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just... And, and that's why I think ultimately he ends up staying in Indianapolis, man, because you're not getting a first-round pick. As crazy as it sounds for Jonathan Taylor, you're probably not getting a second-round pick. Right. You're not giving up Stephon Diggs. Nope. Even if he is unhappy. I would love for Green Bay to give up a first- or second-round pick, not that they can make that work most likely financially with Stephon Diggs, but, I mean, young wide receiver room, you bring him in, he is so damn good. I would kill for that for Jordan Love. Yeah. but. I don't even think he ends up getting moved, man, because Buffalo, it's Super Bowl or bust for them this season. But, yeah, I think most likely, I think the betting odds are telling you where he ends up. If he gets moved at all, it's Miami. But we did this with Delvin Cook, and I get why Miami didn't want to give up anything for Delvin Cook, you know, although he's only 27 years old. But Jonathan Taylor is younger. I know he's coming off an injury-filled season, but, man, two years ago he led the league in rushing. So I'd say Miami. I think Chicago would be dumb to do it. I don't think a team like Baltimore should do it, even though J.K. If it's Dow- Miami, if it's Miami, I don't even need a one. I'll take that running back from Texas A&M, uh, Devin Akane, whatever his name is. I'll take him, and you can give me another third-round pick, and we'll call it a day. Because he may end up being the Colts' future running back. I like that kid. He might, I mean, yeah, he's probably going to end up being the Dolphins' future running back. But if they get Jonathan Taylor, they don't need him. He can stay healthy. Yeah. I don't know. I think he ends up staying in Indianapolis, man. I have a feeling that there's just going to be no market. He's going to be pissed, but he's going to go back there. We'll see, though. I mean, but if it gets off, if they get off to a slow start, like one and three, one and four, then maybe they get desperate and move him. Lower the asking price. Yeah. He has Ryan Horvat. Follow him on Twitter at Ryan Horvat. Bet MGM tonight. Weeknights. Trista Crick. Nick Ashoo on the BetQL Radio Network. See Sparky Fiverr here at Sparky Radio. Check out to 1250amthefan.com for all of our uh, the different interviews I do throughout the course of the week. Tim Dillard talking Brewers baseball each and every week. The latest one up right now on that. Uh, plus, Paul Bridal has been up there uh, recently as well. We've had a conversation with him. Uh, Eli Berkovitz. I uh, just had a conversation with him about the Green Bay Packers this week, too. So go check it out. 1250amthefan.com and your chance to win Luke Combs tickets to see Luke Combs, uh, country music artist, in concert next April at American Family Field. But you have to go to 1250amthefan.com, click on contests, and you'll be all set. Enjoy the rest of your day, everyone. We will do this again coming up on Friday ahead of Packers and Seahawks coming up on Saturday. Toodles! <laughs>